it is a privilege to be with my family here, with uh, uh, both of our adult children, and uh, it is a privilege to serve together our Savior. And uh, 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 I was just so glad that this morning I already got to speak Romanian with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with you. And uh, it's wonderful to, to serve as a family, and you've seen in some of the pictures. Uh, both of our kids are involved with us, and we thank the Lord for uh, all that they were born here. And uh, uh, they are already finished with their college and their schooling, but they prefer and they chose to come and serve alongside us, especially in the area of music and uh, composing and writing. And uh, Johnny has uh, put out a, a CD with, uh, uh, with uh, authentic original music. I don't know if you're interested in Romanian music, but probably there will be some CDs over there. To, uh, whenever you see these Romanians, you pray for them. Uh, I want to say thank you for uh, the privilege to speak to you and uh, uh, Pastor Wayne for the privilege and to trust me with the pulpit today. Uh, and uh, it is a privilege indeed to share God's word. And my desire is to, uh, to be an encouragement uh, to you. And uh, first of all, I want to say thank you in person. And we express our gratitude, not, not, not only for the finances and from a financial point of view that you faithfully send every month for us, but for being partners with us and for making a difference in that, the other side of the world. And you've seen, those are just a few pictures. And uh, there's very, uh, a little bit that we can share with you about what is happening in an ex-communic nation. And I'll be sharing a little bit about this a little bit later on. But um, uh, it is a privilege to have you as partners with us. And, and it's, it's an encouragement that we can be on the field because of your faithfulness today. And uh, as it was shared a little bit, our parents, my, my parents and my, my wife's parents, they escaped communism, fled communism in the early 70s. And uh, of course, we, we came to this wonderful country of honey and milk. And uh, we, by God's grace, we've been adopted. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, for anyone that complains here, now, there are problems in this nation, and of course, like in every nation, but for, uh, for all of those that complain, you know, I would send them out for at least a couple of months, you know, <laughs> and, then, and, and then forcibly, and then when they come back, you want to kiss the ground when you come back here, and you want to be thankful. And uh, I, I just, uh, I'm so grateful whenever we come back, because uh, it, is a, it is a blessed nation. And we need to be thankful and grateful for what God has uh, given us. And uh, I like to share with you today, uh, especially, you know, when you when you look at uh, the world we are living in, and you see the crisis that we are confronted with, you see the geopolitical changes, you see all this uh, 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 crisis, either their political crisis, uh, looking at Syria or uh, Afghanistan or uh, Iraq or. Uh, changes uh, in the European Union, and you see the changes here, the, 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 the political situations all over the place, uh, uh, we, we realize um, the, the role and the importance of the church today. We realize how, how important it is for the church to understand the mandate, the, the responsibility, uh, the dynamics that the church needs to have in times like this today. And, and, you know, uh, I, I chose to speak on the subject, and especially in this passage of, uh, uh, to take this passage as a platform from uh, Matthew 28, uh, 16. It's known to be uh, 
the passage for the Great Commission, but I will approach it in a different way. And for the purpose of understanding the importance of each one of us as the member of the body of Christ, as the church, the responsibility that the church has today, whatever the church is. And why I want to say this is because I'm comparing a little bit the church in Romania and a little bit the church in, in, in Europe. And if you visit Europe, and I'm sure that you have got a chance many times to visit Europe, France, England, Germany, uh, Switzerland, and, and, uh, and maybe Sweden, and some other European, West European nations. And you know, uh, it is interesting that if you're going to visit churches, that you're going to be very much surprised, because they're beautiful buildings. It's beautiful architectural. They become museums. They become just wonderful uh, buildings to, to look at. But they're empty. They're cold. And you wonder sometimes why in times like this when the significance of the church, the importance of the church. And, you know, uh, that's why I called and I, I, I want to I thank you for uh, uh, the way you have uh, uh, wrote on this, the imperatives of the church today. Because it is so important to understand our role and responsibility and to take it very personally today. You know, because uh, uh, as the church... Uh, we are ambassadors of Christ, uh, Apostle Paul calls us, and we represent heaven here on earth, and we need to have an impact, and we, ha we need to feel responsible for this, and, and when I think of what is happening in Europe, somewhere we lost ground, and you know, we like to hear good news about the progress of Christianity and uh, the progress of the church, but I am afraid that if we are realistic about it, I don't think that we are making as much progress as we could, considering uh, the potential that we have, the dynamics and the investment that God has put in the church today. And, you know, I, I, I have to mention, um, we couldn't wait to come to the States to vote. But, you know, it is interesting in the light of the results of the voting, the Europeans are becoming very concerned about this, and, and especially the governments, and especially the presidents in the European Union countries, Germany, England, uh, uh, Sweden, and all those nations, and France. You know why? Because this, this new administration, it seems like, communicated the fact that wants to focus within more than uh, uh, to, 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 to uh, focus their resources, not so much outside, but on the inside. And I believe if we take that example for the church today, I believe that the church in America today, we need to be so concerned about the impact of the church at home here. Because for many years the church had, and I'm going to share with you a little bit later on, uh, Christianity evolved and developed in Africa, South America, Europe, and Eastern Europe because of the strength of the church in the United States of America. So if we lose strength here, if we don't focus within, and if we don't have an impact and strength here, we're going to lose ground outside. And I, I like to share with you from this point of view, because I personally, I'm very concerned about uh, growing up in, the, in, in communism. And, you know, I, I've seen the impact of the Christianity uh, when I was just a child there. And I've seen, uh, you know, uh, when I was a child, I remember my, my, my grandfather and my father who locked the gates and covered the windows. And then all of us uh, 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 surrounded, we were listening to the short radio wave. The voice of America that was broadcasted through Quito, Ecuador, and then picked up by Monte Carlo, because the only source of truth, uh, of gospel, of the, of, of the, of the good news was broadcasted uh, from here, from the United States, because of the people that have invested. And I, I'm afraid that if something happens and the church here will, will lose its strength, you're going to see it. Sooner or later, you're going to see it um, uh, uh, abroad. Therefore, I like to 
to, to go into this direction. And uh, uh, my desire is to see that. And you know, you don't need to be great. You don't need to be really big because Christ, and you know, it's interesting that this passage in Matthew 28, um, it, it, was, it was a message given to the disciples. There were just a few of them. And God wants a few people, but strong, determined, you know, courageous. When we come to the States, we, we, we have dreams, and we, we can't wait to come to the States, you know, to visit things. And one of the places that we like to visit, especially me and my son, we like to go and visit the, uh, uh, the uh, um, um, uh, car show in, uh, uh, in San Francisco. And I, I, I think that you visited that, and I hope you did, because uh, uh, there is a, uh, a lot of new things there. And for the first time, I see cars that are going to ride on hydrogen. And I said, boy, it's going to be interesting you know, to see no more gasoline and, you know, no more electricity. And, and interesting, but there was one car that we've seen and uh, uh, related to the church. There one car that we loved and we've seen. There is one car that, the a Challenger, a Hellcat. I don't know if you've seen that. 700 horsepower. 700 horsepower. That's crazy. It's big. It's nice. It's furious. It's not. And I would say, the church today needs to be a Hellcat that has 700 horsepower. I think we have, there is so much that can be done. We can't just be mediocre, you know. We have to use any opportunity that the church has today to make a difference, to have an impact in the world today. And uh, I like to, to, to share with you, and I like to, to go on with this passage here, because there are, in this passage here, there are, uh, there are two important truths here that I like to share with you from the beginning here. And um, let me see this way. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Am I doing all right? Ah. Yes. There are two important truths outlined here. Now, we are going to, uh, this passage, in this passage, the last, I would say, one of the last sermons messages that Jesus Christ wanted to communicate to his disciples. Now imagine, if you're going to give the last message, the last words to your loved ones, uh, it's going to be very important things that you want to say. So here are the, the, the two important truths that Jesus wanted to communicate to the disciples, Amen. to the church. And, you know, I want to focus on the responsibility of the church. You know why? Because uh, even in Romania, now in Romania, uh, you can be a little bit more direct, you know, and sometimes I'm so worried because, you know, I mean, it's going to be recorded. I don't want to say any stupid things, but, you know, you got to be so careful because you're going to be recorded and this is probably going to go everywhere, you know. But, uh, you know, so I, I believe that sometimes in some places, church has come. Church has some kind of a rheumatism, you know, some kind of arthritis. It's not moving. It's not making the difference. But listen, there are two important truths here that we need to, and Romanians, believers in Romania, and I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to compare with you to see what believers in the country that had no freedom for decades, how believers and how the church behaves knowing that you might lose the freedom because you know what what happened when you didn't have the freedom? So you want to hold on to it and do the most you can while you have it here. And, and you watch. I hope that we're not going to lose freedom. But you know, Satan is wicked. He's the father of lie. Persecution is going to come in a different way. And we see it. It's going to be very elegant, very modern way, you know. It's not going to be the way it used to be put in jail and, and you know, uh, uh, this kind of torturing. No, no, no. It's going to be in a different way because he's wicked. And he's going to focus. He's, he wants to, you know, Satan has two plans. Two major plans. This is my own personal conclusion. He wants to destroy the church and the family. Those are the two major creation of God. He, if, he, if, he, if he's not going to destroy the church in some, he's going to destroy the family. 
Because when you destroy the family, you are going to attack the church here. So if the family in the society is destroyed, if the church is going to be destroyed, he accomplished his desire to fight against God's will and against God's plan. So what do we need to understand and what people in Romania got to understand? And I hope that we get to take this very personally. And I don't want, to, I don't want this message to be a negative message. I want to be an encouraging message. First of all, there is the truth about the divine authority of Jesus Christ. Secondly, now you're going to see this in Matthew 28, verse 18. Because Jesus said, and you're going to see it. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. So we need to understand. This is the way you need to start if the church needs to be very serious today. If church wants to move mountains and make the difference in the society, we need to understand that, we, that the truth about the divine authority of Jesus Christ and you'll see it a little bit later on. We're going to talk about that. Secondly, the second truth that in this passage we have, the second part of the message is the truth about the divine calling to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if, you, if, we, if we see it in the passage that starts with, go therefore and make disciples. Multiply, you know. Be active. Do not be passive. Knowing that we have their authority, and it's not just any kind of authority that it's calling us to do that. Now, okay. Let's go on. We need to see the importance of the relationship between these two. I believe that there is, and I'm going to share with you a little bit about the importance of serving, personal serving, not only the church. And I, I, why? I mean, uh, I can't avoid the fact that I come from an Eastern Orthodox religion. Uh, and when you come from a, from, a, from a majority Eastern Orthodox or a majority Catholic nation, you would see the, the uh, ecclesiastic style of leadership where you have the priest, you have whoever is serving there. And then the tendency is to say, well, let him to serve. Let the priest, let the pastor, let those that are paid. But we need to realize and we need to see the importance of all of us being involved uh, serving under the authority of Jesus Christ. So the authority of Jesus Christ and the divine calling to serve God, they are related to each other. If we don't understand this authority, and if we don't submit to this authority, if we don't accept this authority, then we should serve. Because we are called to function under this umbrella of God's authority. Okay. Secondly, okay. Now, we are going to talk a little bit about the divine authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, listen to this here. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. This is what it means. It means that the authority, and you need to understand it, the authority is not within a religion. It's not with a denomination. I'm not a very institutionalized guy. I don't think the Lord Jesus came to do denominations. He came to do the church. And I think we need to be faithful, biblically, focusing on Jesus Christ. And I admire Johnny's compositions. All of the songs focus at the importance of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we have. And you know, churches will change, denominations change, but he will never change. Amen? The authority and the divine authority, it's not within a government, it's not within a person, it's not within a denomination, it's not within a religion. No, it's in the person of Jesus Christ, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of Jesus Christ, in the name of Christ, and in the word of Christ. This is the authority that we have. The minute we depart 
And I want to say this. Romania had this experience. Romania knew what it means to be under the humanistic, atheistic, philosophical, uh, 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 anti-God authority. So for the believers, we need to understand to be very, very careful under what authority do I function. Now, I want to pause a little bit here. You know, it's very interesting. You know, I grew up in the communist world, and, and I, uh, I understand what communism is all about. Communism has to do with with, with atheism. Atheism has to do with humanism. Humanism has to do with socialism. That's why we see what is happening in Europe, in Western Europe. And I believe we are beginning slowly to see what is happening here. We are, we, are, we, are, we are confused about the authority we function here. It's not a government authority. It's not a man's authority. It's not a human authority. Besides, we have the demonic authority in this world. That functions. So we need to, to be very uh, sensitive and very conscious and very much aware uh, of the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go on here uh, and uh, share a little bit more about this authority. We, we are talking about the superiority and sufficiency of Christ's authority here. All authority, you know, total authority. It, we are talking about it's, it's not a divided authority. You know, there has always been a problem with the authority. Authority has been manipulated. Uh, authority has been, has been uh, 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 everybody wants authority and control. It starts in the family, you know, and then it starts in the society. But we need to understand as believers that Christ has all authority. And this should be very encouraging. You have the passages there, and there are many other passages in Scripture that speaks about the undivided, complete authority, exclusive authority. He is the ultimate authority. So therefore, if we are challenged, if we are confronted with issues, it comes family issues, or, uh, or relational issues, or political issues, or moral issues, who is the final authority in our lives? Who governs my mind and my thinking today? You know, and sometimes you know it's very interesting how easily we compromise, how easily we shift from the, from the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has all the authority, and the passage is so wonderful, and this is so encouraging for me. And I want to tell you this, and I'm going to get a little bit later on. You 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 become fearful at times because. As a believer, we have opposition. The church is, a, if it makes the difference, and Johnny mentioned in the car today about the difference between the light and the darkness. Listen, where is light, there is going to be trouble because darkness hates it, you know, and you can't mix the two. So, you know, it's going to be, I got in trouble a lot of times, you know, because if you want to be light, if you don't want to be light, if you want to be compromising, one of those, uh, one of those warm Christians, you're not going to get in trouble, you know what I mean? You're not going to get in trouble at all. But listen, when you know that you have the one that governs over you, the one that is uh, sending you, the one that you trust in has all the authority, regardless of who you work, for who you work, um, uh, uh, relationships, uh, uh, business, and regardless of what we are involved in the world. This is so encouraging uh, for us as believers today to understand when we go through crisis, when we go to barriers and obstacles as a believer, as a church, as a businessman. Those are the passages that, that, that you have there. So what, what is important here? Sometimes we bow our uh, life standards, our morals, our views, our priorities to some other forms of authorities today. You know? So I think it's so important to realize and come back to the roots and say, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. You know? He's my Lord. He governs over my life. He owns me. You know? And I'm glad that it was mentioned today. You know, I have been bought with a price. I'm not on my own. 
I am His. And therefore, I am to glorify Him. I am His. He is my owner. He is my boss. He is my authority. Whoever tried to challenge that, it's a problem. And I hope that every husband and every wife and every businessman, whoever he is, where he is, he'll realize, listen, don't give me all that stuff. I have an authority over me. I can't compromise because he is the boss. And I don't want to get in trouble. That comes even in the family. You know, then, very interesting, you know. Uh, I've read an article this week about discipline in the family, you know. And you know that uh, over here, you know, you're going to come now with all sorts of teaching. Don't touch the kids. Don't tell them anything. You know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta <laughs> I mean, I got so spanked, and I'm glad I did <laughs> at the right time. Because otherwise, I would have been in trouble. You know what I mean? But it's interesting, and I thought of this, you know. Whose authority governs? Is this the secular uh, teaching of the world today? Who's going to teach me family, relationship, husband, wife, parent? Who's going to teach me? So I so said, the Bible says, you got to discipline. You got to discipline with love, you know what I mean? And you got to spank them if you need it, but you got to do it in love. You got to do it right. You're gonna, and I was going to say, well, wait a minute. Uh, I am called to discipline my child because that's what the scripture says, but I got to do it in a love, in, in a godly way. If I don't discipline my child, I'm in trouble. He's going to discipline me, so I'm not going to be stupid. Why should I be disciplined? Because I disobey him, you know. I should discipline my kids so I don't get disciplined myself <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise I get in trouble. You know, so it's so important to understand the chain of authority here because that's the way God functions and the Holy Spirit functions. Now, exclusiveness and the uniqueness of Christ's authority is revealed by His divine nature and attributes. Now, I didn't put the passages, but you are going to see this in Scripture. Why He has the ultimate authority. Why He is the supreme undivided authority because no one in this world, no one, no church, no cleric, no uh, 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 spiritual person, no leader, no governor, no king has omnipresence, has omnipotence, omniscience, holiness, justice, and love. So this authority that is over me has love, but he's just, he's holy. So I don't want a corrupted authority to govern my priorities, my values, and my life. I want the authority that is holy. I want the authority that knows everything. He knows the future. He knows everything and he has the wisdom. You know what I mean? So it's so important to realize that we can compromise the authority that we live our lives in. You know? I have a friend that he got married about three or four years ago. And, you know, I saw him in my town a little bit disappointed and a little bit sad. And, uh, and uh, I said, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, you know, I think, I think we are in trouble. I think... We already started to have some discussion about divorce. Man, three years. <laughs> three years. You should be still in honeymoon. What are you guys talking about? And you know, John, you know what I told him? Pastor, you know what I told her? I said, listen, I, I said, you know, we do have some problems, and we do have some, some things that we need to resolve. But listen, uh, he, he told her. He talked to her, and I said, listen, I uh, believe me. When I went before the altar, and when I said yes, you know, uh, uh, I made a commitment not only to you, because it would have been easy to divorce. It would have been busy. It would have been very easy to depart. But I made a commitment, and, 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 and this it ties me with him. And I made a commitment to him that I'm going to be your husband. Because if it would have been only a commitment to you, it would have been very easy to break that commitment. You see, when you, when you consider God's presence and his authority, we're not going to take easily decisions. No, we're not going to think superficially in our life situations. Now, later on, let's go on. Now, 
the display of God's authority. And this is an encouragement because the second part, it's about serving. It's a display of Christ's authority in Scripture here. How encouraged should we be to accept His authority and go on and serve our Lord Jesus Christ? Because, listen to this, the power and authority. Now, I say power and authority because in some translations, like in the Romanian translation, instead of saying all authority has been given unto me, it says all power has. But I think these two go together anyway. So I put them together here. All power of authority to forgive sins. Listen, I am serving under a God. The church needs to know, the believer needs to know that we have, we have the authority and the power that can forgive sins. Any kind of sin. Anything. If you bring it, if you repent. And you know, I talk with my students from the seminary. I say, listen, you're not going to change anybody. So stop with your arguments and your theology and your, you know, we are not going to change anybody. We are called to bring people to the one that has authority, to Jesus Christ. He has the authority to forgive sin. The church will never forgive sins. Religion can't forgive sins. No, 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 nothing. And nobody can, can resolve the problem of our sins. The power and authority to bring salvation. I don't know if you remember, people don't like that. You remember when they're talking to forgive sins, the Pharisees, when they say, who's this? Who's this that has the power to forgive sins? Who thinks he is? Well, he's Jesus. And if anybody wants to talk, I, you have to be so outspoken. You have to be so straightforward. Listen, here is no compromise. The only one that can forgive sin. You can choose any religion you want. You can do any ritual you want. You can bring any, uh, uh, any candles. You can burn any candles. You can do all kinds of rituals and all sorts of things. But the only one that can forgive sins is Jesus Christ. Salvation has the, is given by our Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the power and authority over evil spirits. And we see the deliverance. Boy, do we have evil spirits around here? I am telling you, we have it. If you have a television, you got them right there. You know, if you, I am telling you, there are evil spirits flying all over the place. And you know, they're influencing our mind and trying to program, trying to brainwash our mind, our thinking, our values, and our priorities here. The power and authority to heal the sick. And I tell you this, I was asked today, and I was asked to put a clip about what prayer is all about. You know, and I said, how am I going to define this? You know what I mean? How I, I'm not a scholar, and I'm not one of those. How am I going to define it? I said, I said, you know what I mean? In order to experience prayer, you're not, you have to have an experiential relationship with Jesus Christ. You know? you know, we're not talking about only values here. To experience that relationship, when you pray, and when you see that resolved, when you pray, and you know, the way, the way James says, you, gotta, you have a, you, the prayer that comes out of a righteous heart, you know. Then I got to make sure that, that, that my heart is clean before. Then when two or three come together by faith, then you're going to see happening there, you know. And you see God's authority over sickness. Now, not everybody needs to be healed because you're going to die anyway, you know. But anyway, uh, we, we have an authority and power that can heal the sick. Authority over the nature. I am sure that Californians believers that pray for rain. Look at it. Now, I think they're going to pray to stop it. <laughs> but I think they prayed about it. And listen, God can resolve the problem of nature, the winds, the waves. If we have examples in the New Testament. Now, this should be an encouragement. The second part comes serving. But if we don't understand the power and authority that's behind us, that we are connected with, we are not going to have the courage and we are going to, we're not going to venture out. And we are not going to risk out in serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the power and authority to execute judgment. And, and you see it in John 5, 27. The only one. He's not going to come as a savior anymore. When he comes back, when Jesus comes, he's going to come as a judge. So he is and he's judging sin. And you know, so we need to be very careful from this point of view here. 
we can live our lives in any way we want. Now, we talked about the authority. The question is, under what authority do I want to live my life? Under what authority do I want to submit? You know, this is a question here. As a believer, I believe we have no choice. As a church, today, we have no choice. You know, we have no choice. And you know, I want to mention to you that before the election, the Romanian believers in Romania, they've taken three days of prayer and fasting. You remember in Old Testament, Esther's prayer, fasting and prayer? You know, to save the people of Israel. Romanian believers have prayed for the election in the United States because they knew that we are not just electing a president for a country. You are electing a president for the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. And I believe that God answers prayer when you pray faithfully. You know, I believe that. Believers in Romania say, we got to pray for this. We have been blessed by this nation. We have been received blessing from this country. So we have a responsibility to come to the one that has all authority on the face of the earth. Now, we go into the second part here. Considering that we understand the imperative, the importance uh, of, uh, of, of, of the authority of God. It's this authority that it's calling us to serve. Now, in this passage here, to the disciple, it's not really a calling. It's, it's a command. You know what I'm saying? Now, throughout the gospel, Jesus calls us. But in this passage, it's more than just a call. So it's not just an invitation. If you want. It's not if you desire. It's a command to serve. I'm so glad that I came when I was 18 here. In the state, I couldn't speak English at all. I mean, I, I the only thing I would, it was okay. That's all. Okay, <laughs> that's all. Okay. Now, Romania is the only Latin nation in Eastern Europe. I don't know if you knew that. The only Latin nation. They speak very close to Spanish, Italian, Portuguese. The only uh, nation that Roman Empire, when they conquered that in the year 106, they see the beauty of the land and they established their capital there. They called it New Rome. And they, of course, the Latin language was, was introduced there in, in that part of the world. So Romanians speak with their hands anyway. So, yeah. So uh, 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 the importance here that we, we, need, to, we need to see is that, uh, the one that the one that understands that it's imperative, you know, will not take it lightly when you're called to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to go through this passage here because it's so important here. Okay. Christian believer, and, and you know, you're going to see this phrase coming now a number of times here. The Christian believer, the member of the body of Christ. And I very carefully I worded this, and I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, you cannot just be any kind of believer. No, no. And you have in, you have, you have in churches all sorts, you know. Not everybody that is on the, on the record of the church is a believer. No. I mean, there are some kind of a believers, you know. But I'm talking about a Christian believer. And especially in these days that we live in, we need to specify, are you a Christian believer? You know what it means? I've wrote the definition of a Christian. Uh, the one who is Christian, he is in business for Christ. I like that. <laughs> he is in business for Christ. So, uh, it, it, we are not talking about any kind of believers. We are not talking about, they are uh, Buddhist believers. They are uh, uh, Islam believers. They are Mormon believers. They are all sorts of believers. They say, no, we are talking about a Christian believer. And secondly, it's very important to specify, you are talking about a Christian believer who is a member of the body of Christ. Because that implies responsibility 
for each one of us implies responsibility here. We must accept the authority of Jesus Christ. We must submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. We must demonstrate obedience to the authority of Jesus Christ. For Romanians, they had to submit to the demonic atheist authority, humanistic authority decades. They have destroyed the minds of the people. And you're talking about it, it'll, it'll take years and decades to clear out, to heal the mind because of that evil teaching. You know, people have been submissive to that type of authority. And that's why, you know, you know what Romania is doing today? By law, and I probably I mentioned last time, by law, Bible classes are mandatory in the, in the public school system from elementary all the way to high school because they have to clean up the mind because it has been penetrated and sickened by the atheistic and demonic, demonic teaching and philosophy. So by law, by law, Bible classes in public state, public schools for elementary all the way to high school. Why? Because they need to learn to accept children Youth, they need to accept, to understand, and accept the authority of Jesus Christ. Submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, and then demonstrate obedience to the authority of Jesus Christ. And this has to penetrate our society. Starts in a relationship in the family, neighbors, and then at work and wherever we are. We need to understand and accept, submit, and demonstrate our obedience. And then we'll see things happening when we're beginning to do that. Now, speaking about the, the freedom in Romania, I wanna, and I, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you. The United States has the freedom that, that, that we can't imagine what we can do. Romanians, they do anything. You've seen a few churches there where I preached. Some of the churches were bought and built by families. Two or three families have bought the property and they built, they sold everything and they built the property. I am preaching and I served, and at, at one point I served in eight churches I had under my supervision. And I served in these churches. I mean, you go crazy when you have to preach from one church to another, you know, you know, uh, uh, seven messages in, in two days, you know, seven messages. Uh, and then I, I stayed until seminary graduates would come in and they would take over. So now you've seen some of my seminary students that have taken two churches, two churches, two churches. But uh, I've seen, uh, I, I, I served in villages and in the cities where the government, the mayor would come and say, we want to give you a free property. We want to give you a prime property, downtown property for free to build a church. Because we couldn't do that. You know, because we didn't know how to accept, submit, and demonstrate obedience to our Creator and our Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian believer, the member of the body of Christ, it's called to serve, communicating the gospel. Now, you see there are three truths here that we need to understand. And all of this you can find. And one is has to do, go and preach the gospel. This is what Jesus said, uh, Mark 16, 15. Go and, communicate. go and preach the gospel. We are called to communicate the word of God. We are called to communicate the truth in any possible way we can. The second is, go and make disciples. This is in our, on our passage here, verse 28, 29. And you see it here, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of us. Multiply. And it has to start here, you know. And I want to say this. Uh, I am involved in evangelism. Uh, uh, really not by choice. All pastors are involved in evangelism in Romania. There are two sections of the year. Beginning of the year, 
on the end of the year, January, February, and March, and then you have October, November, and December. When all churches have evangelistic crusades and meetings, all time and all fashion, and it's, it's, it's pastors all rotate. They don't preach in their church. They all rotate. So I preach in different churches. Sometimes in a year, more than two dozen churches where I get to, to speak because they all, I don't preach in my church, but somebody else preaches in my church. So there is, basically there is music, about an hour of music. Then it is personal testimony. I'm telling you, there is powerful personal testimonies of people that have been changed by the grace of God. And then, here I come. Then is the sermon, you know what I mean? As a bulldozer afterwards, you know. So, let me tell you, it's a harvest time. It's a harvest time. You know why? Because when you understand that, we need to learn to communicate the gospel in any possible way. Um, um, when I come back to the States, you know, we... I love coffee. And when I got into the building, I already smelled it. Right? <laughs> so somebody got me into the coffee, and I said, that's a good way to start the day. You know what I mean? So anyway, <laughs> it's a good thing that I got only this much. Imagine if I would have drank this. That. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but um, uh, I, we have family uh, up north, a state of Oregon. So every, uh, every time when I come back, we go visit them. So we did this a few times, and we already did that. You know, and, uh, so I like to stop in a little town, a little town, it's called Ashland. You probably know that. I like that place. It's a little crazy, you know. It's a little. It's kind of a little maybe Berkeley type of thing. You know what I mean? You can, all kinds of weirdos. They have the they have the Southern Oregon University over there, and they have the Shakespeare over there. You got all kinds of. I love it. You know, you talk to people. Some of them are dreaming. Some, but anyway, there is a coffee shop that I like to stop when I come, and it's a it's a Starbucks right on the main street, and you get out of town. <laughs> you know that place right there? Yeah, I've been there. So we stopped once there, you know. And it was early in the morning when I got my coffee, my family, when I sat at the table. And then after about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, there was a gentleman that came into the coffee shop. And this was a local. This guy was in his 60s, you know. And, and he heard Christian music and carols, you know, in a coffee shop. This guy uh, burst out of anger and he ordered the young lady to shut the music, turn the music off. I don't want to listen to that. And I looked at the guy. I said, what's wrong with this guy? You know, from that minute when I, when I saw his anger, and of course the young lady, you know, she, she turned the, you know, the radio off. And then I sit there, you know, and uh, you know what happens, you know, sometimes you got to be so careful because, you know, um, you, you're not always spiritual. <laughs> And then, and then you see the blood starting to pump, and then you see the sin, the nature, the sinful nature, you know. And, uh, and I said, "What am I going to do with this guy?" You know. So, uh, I didn't like his attitude. So, after he, <coughs> after he sat down and he sat at the table, I, I didn't say anything to my family. I went to his table, and I said, "May I sit by you?" He said, "Yeah." I said, okay. So, and I took my coffee with me, and I looked at him, and I said, "Listen, I saw you come into the coffee shop." And I heard your attitude in your talk. I said, that bothered me bad. <laughs> I didn't like that. You told the lady to turn the music off. You screamed and you told her, shut that music off. And you used some unpleasant words. I said, listen, I grew up in a communist world. My parents fled communism. And I was given the privilege to come into this nation, into this country, to freely listen to that music. 
I rejoice, I treasure this freedom. I don't think you ever lived out of this country. But your attitude was disappointing. He looked at me. I didn't stay too long. <laughs> I said, I hope you're not going to do it again. You know. Then I left. And uh, soon after, I saw him go to his friends to other table. And I said, this is a crazy guy. I don't know what he said. Anyway, but I just wanted to say, any opportunity that you have to make Christ known, any opportunity to make, the, to make it a value, make it a priority, to communicate your values, to let people know who Jesus Christ is. That's what it, You don't have to have theology. You don't have to graduate with some kind of degree. No, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. And you've got to have the, the, that urgency, you know, that urgency. I think the church should be in a state of urgency. The church it should not believe that it's just business as usual. I think we are approaching the coming of our Lord. If we see all the prophets, Prophecies that have been fulfilled already. If we see what is happening in around us, if we see the hatred against Israel, if we see the problem with Jerusalem and all this, you see, Lord, it's coming soon. Most of it has been already fulfilled. I gotta get ready. I gotta do the most we can. Because you are gonna give an account. You know, not how much I got, how much I accomplished. No, not at all. I'm a tool and die maker. And I worked 20 years in, in, in the tool and die making. I'm a machinist. And I loved it. You know, when I worked for Hitachi, you know, for the Japanese. Boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> I teach you how to discipline. But anyway, I loved it. You know, I loved it. 20 years. But let me tell you, when the Iron Curtain collapsed, because of the believers that I grew up in the church, mission-minded, dedicated people. You know what the pastor said? John. He was a Swedish background, tall guy. Say, John, have you heard what? Communism collapsed in your country. I said, yeah. Have you ever thought of going back and be our voice there? Oh, man. You know. Tell you, I had to, you know, we all have materialism in us. You know. And when you come to enjoy this country, you think twice, three times before you do it. But yet, there is no highest call. There is no other privilege. And let me tell you, to trust in the call and the privileges that he can do the work without us. He can do the work without you and without you. They're serving in Sunday school. Children, Awana, preaching. He can do it without us. But I have the privilege to stand before him as an ambassador of Christ and communicate the truth. Amen? Amen. That's the way you should be looking at. Calling, making disciples. And this is to reproduce what I mentioned about the evangelistic meetings in Romania. Uh, this is harvest time when they have this evangelistic. Nobody comes by themselves. They, 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 they come with their neighbors. They come with their friends. They come with their relatives. So they're preparing. They have few few months to work at. Building relationships. Because evangelism, it's coming. And I, got, I have to invite my friends, my families, my unbelieving people and friends to come. Making a difference. It's called to serve being a witness for Jesus Christ. And, and you remember the passage in Acts 1 day, you shall be my witness. You shall receive power. Listen, it's the power and the authority that God has given to us in order for us to be witnesses. So we have nothing to be afraid about. Yeah, somebody will say, it's not in style. I'm so glad that I see youth here. It's not in style to be a Christian today, I'm telling you. It's not in style. When the whole world is full of immorality, they have different worldviews and moral views and priorities. It's not in style. But listen, uh, we are called to be witnesses for him. They are going to laugh at you at, at war. They are going to, you know. no, we are called to be a model and an example, to be witnesses for Christ in what we say, what we do, and everything else. Yes. 
Let me go on further on here. Okay? Yes. Christian believer, a member of the body of Christ, is called to serve, looking at the model and example we have in Jesus Christ. And we have, you know, there is no other example. Don't look at examples around you because we are all failures. And we have weaknesses and we have inabilities and we fail. You know what I mean? And you might say, I'm too old. And you might say, I don't, I don't have so much. Now, you can be. You can be used by God. God has invested in you because you have the, the Holy Spirit in you. So the model and example is our Lord Jesus Christ. This has to do with suffering if it's needed. You got to be ready. This has to do with blessed are he who for the name of my sake. Listen to that. You got to be ready. It's a risk, you know. So our model and example is Jesus Christ. Remember, he left the glories of heaven. He left the beauties of heaven for you and for me. You know what I mean? Yes, he left it. So what do we need to do is we know that we are going to lose. It's risky. But in the, I know a book that John Calvin, in one of his, in one of his booklets, he says, what is important is to live in the light of eternity. Listen to this. To live your life and, and strategize and in such a way to live in the light of eternity. You know, that's what's important. Our model for serving is Jesus Christ. You know, you know if we accept, if we think that people are going to glorify us, if you think that people are going are to start to, no, don't expect anybody to, to, uh, to give you credit because our credit comes from our Lord. Secondly, it's called to serve putting to work our spiritual gifts for the edification of the body. Boy, there are some verses here. I wish I would have the time to read them to you. Uh, we, we, God has invested spiritual gifts in us. The potential is in us. And in 1 Peter 4.10, it's unbelievable. In Corinthians, we all have spiritual gifts, abilities, in empowered to be able to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be made aware to identify those gifts that you have because God is calling you and is giving you the instrument instruments and the ability to serve him regardless of what age you have the believer the member of the body of Christ is called to serve together with Christ and you remember the passage in Corinthians 3 9 and Colossians I will be with you I'll never forsake you he's not we're not serving alone He's with us. He's always going to be with us. He's not going to send you and say, go and do it. No, he's going to be with you. And he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake In fact, I'll be with you. And through his Holy Spirit, he's going to be in us. What an encouragement for us to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The believer is called to serve knowing that we are holy. And listen to this here. I love this passage in First Peter chapter 2. It says, we are holy and a royal priesthood. Listen who we are. Uh, not there's just any kind of priesthood here. Not a Baptist priesthood. You know, I mean, I don't, we are not just any denominational priesthood. We are royal priesthood. Listen, I might be short, but I'm tall. <laughs> tall. You know. We have, we are royal priesthood, called to serve, you know. Because we are part of the royalty. He is our king. And he governs over us. He's called to serve with the assurance of the continuous presence of Jesus. Listen to this verse here. It says, after he says, go therefore and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Continuous presence, assurance of his presence. Called to serve, looking that we might pay the price and suffer like Christ. Warren Wearsby said, Ministry without suffering is worth nothing. 
I don't know if you read any books by Warren Wearsby. Ministry without suffering is worth nothing. It's called to serve Christ knowing that we receive our reward from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, serving. Let me tell you an example. I serve at a Baptist seminary in Bucharest. 20, uh, uh, nearly 100 years ago, American believers, missionaries, went into Romania. They bought a property, downtown Bucharest, prime property. American believers, American missionaries, they established a seminary there. When communism took over in 1945, they wanted to destroy it. They wanted to uh, bulldoze that. And when they found out that that's American land, they found out that acts like an American embassy, they couldn't touch it. Vision of serving. 100 years after, the fruits are there because they were faithful believers that have risked and given all for Christ. You know. We have missionaries that come out of Brazil to plant churches in Romania. You know why? Because there were missionaries from America that went to South America, converted people, shared Jesus Christ. And once they become Christians, now they saw the need to come to Romania because, because it's a Latin nation and do that. My grandfather, Grandpa George, he was arrested right when communism took over. He was arrested, tortured, cruelly. And then he was sentenced to nine years in prison. And after he, he lost everything, everything was taken away. And after his prison term, he was sent down south by the, by the Blue Danube, by the Danube River, and he was exiled. And you know what is interesting? He was deported in that part of the time. You know, I saw the smile even after that. I went to visit him when he was deported. You have that peace when you serve God. You have that fulfillment. It's unbelievable when you really serve. You know, people are unhappy when they don't serve. It is amazing. It is something that you don't understand because Christ is the one that produces that peace in the Holy Spirit when you dedicate your life to him. This is the challenge in closing here. And I want to say this. And I hope this is going to be an encouragement for you. There were times when even Joshua was discouraged. And he had people around him who said, what are you doing? I mean, you know, uh, there are so many reasons for me to serve other gods, other systems, to submit and accept. And listen to this. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, this is what Joshua said. Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. You know what this says here? We are so influenced by each other. And you know, I don't believe that, that, that the pastor should beg someone to serve. No, I don't think so. I think we should be so charged up and come around. This is what the pastor should do. Should challenge and encourage people to serve. Nobody should be bad. You know what Joshua said? Listen. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But listen, but as for me and my house, I don't care what you want to do. Because you're going to be judged anyway. You're going to receive your reward anyway. I will serve the Lord. When I left uh, 20 years ago, you went back to Romania. And I even had relatives and friends. And I said, what's the matter with you? You're crazy. The wind blows this way. <laughs> Everyone, you're going back. And you know, it's crazy. 
And Apostle Paul says, uh, it's okay to be crazy for Christ. I hope that East Parkway will be so powerful. And I pray that you will make the difference. That you will see and understand the privilege you are already doing. But I think we can do far more for Jesus Christ. He deserves it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving us, the Vetrans family, the privilege to make a difference. You have already made a difference in many Romanian souls because you have served alongside us in Romania. Amen. Amen. Thank you.